Beloved congregation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, most of us have our own piece of land, property. And we will all have some kinds of plants at home. Some more, some less, but we normally will all have something in the way of plants, whether it's grass or a flower garden, vegetables or fruit tree. And maybe some of the children in our midst this morning even have your own vegetable garden. And that's the two things that were created on the third day is land, dry land, and vegetation. And we're going to, to pay attention to those two things. Now, on the first day, God created light. We read how God separated day from night. And that congregation, by revealing these things to us, God makes us think about the fact that every new day is a gift from Him. Days are His creation. Every day is a new period of time that we receive from the Lord and are to use in His service. So the creation of light, the creation of day and night, makes us think of time as a gift from the Lord to be used for Him. And in a similar way in our text, God wants to think about space, about our dry land, our properties, the land on which your factory stands, that space which makes up your office cubicle. God wants you, with these words, to think about space. And so listen to God's revelation in this text under this theme. On the third day, God created the dry land and vegetation. And we'll see three things. First of all, we'll pay attention to the dry land formed by God's word. Secondly, we're going to pay attention to the vegetation brought forth by God's word. And finally, we will consider that more broadly, living and working in light of God's word as it comes to us in our text. So on the third day, God created dry land and vegetation. First of all, we pay attention to the dry land God created by His Word. Then the vegetation He brought forth by His Word. And finally, living and working in light of His Word in our text. First of all, we pay attention to dry land, to space. For the most part today, people live and work on dry land. Indeed, some people work on the sea or in the sea, but, but even then, they normally work in a dry environment, on the deck of a boat or something similar. Dry land is the context of most of what people do on this earth whether we are cabinet makers or teachers or mothers looking after the family, we work on dry land. We spend so much time on dry land, we hardly think about it. We also have food 
grown in our own vegetable gardens, grown in fields around the country and overseas. First, the seeds are planted, and then after a while those seeds sprout, the crop comes up and matures. We know that process well, from seed to harvest. A natural process in field and vegetable garden. Something we hardly give a second thought, it happens all the time. The congregation, there was a time when none of this was possible. And that takes us back to the beginning, to the first two days of creation. The earth congregation was covered with a mass of water. There was no vegetation, no seeds. Just endless oceans covering the earth. It would have been impossible for us to live on that earth. And so on the third day, God once more spoke His mighty word. Let the waters be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And see, beloved, the obedience of God's creation. And it was so. God commanded and it happened, came to pass. No more did the waters cover the whole earth. They were all joined together in one big gathering of waters, the, the oceans that cover the earth. And in the midst of the oceans, continents rose up. God made that happen by His mighty word. He made rolling hills and towering mountains, secluded valleys and stretching plains, beaches and cliffs, places for farms and villages and palaces, and cities, and so much more. And God named it. God called the dry land earth. The gathering together of the waters he called seas. And note, beloved, the word, the name given to the dry land, earth. The Bible speaks about the earth in two ways. It can refer to the earth as the globe, the earth as the opposite of heaven. Or the earth can refer to the place where man lives on the globe, the dry land. The Bible speaks about the kings of the earth, about the peoples of the earth. The earth is the place where man will live and work and be fruitful and multiply. That the dry land is called earth shows that that is the place of human habitation. That's the place where man will live. And God declared that the earth and the seas were good. That means they fit God's purpose. God purpose was to create a place for life. Room was being made on the earth, a place for plants and animals and finally man to live. God was preparing a place for fields and homes and towns and cities and schools and universities and offices and factories. God was preparing the place in which man would be given the command to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth 
and subdue it. God created all things. Why? To bring glory to His name. His plan was to create man on the sixth day to give man the task of developing this world. Man's work would be worship of the Creator. Man was to plow and to sow seed and to harvest, giving thanks to God for the good food he could enjoy. Man was to dig into the ground, discover rocks and precious stones and useful metals. Man was to discover the properties of all the different elements. He was to unlock the many secrets that God had placed in creation. He had to bring them all forth to the praise of God. That's what man had to do with the, the dry land, the earth. In our text we see God creating the context in which all of that was going to happen. You could say, God was here in our text preparing a giant workplace for mankind. In Hebrews 1, passage we read from Hebrews, we read that the Son of God, He upholds all things by His word of power. And that means, congregation, the Son of God was not only involved in creation, bringing it into existence, but the Son of God also powerfully maintains the created order. He preserves things. He, he maintains things in such a way that still today there continues to be dry land, earth, in which man does his work. The Son of God upholds all things by His power, including the dry land in your possession. And that's not to be taken for granted. Because we live in the time after the fall. Sin brought a terrible curse over creation. The ground itself was cursed on account of man. And man's wickedness did not stop but increase. The earth which God had made, a place for man to live and work into God's glory, what did that become? You know how it goes in the Genesis 5-6. The earth which God had made, a place for man to live and work into God's glory, became a place filled with violence. A place filled with anti-God, idol-serving activity. There were hardly any believers left on the earth anymore. Wickedness, murder, adultery, pride, self-seeking, that's what filled the earth. And that earth congregation was purged in a terrible way in the flood. On the third day, God had create, separated the dry land from the waters. But in the flood, God removed the separation. No longer did the waters remain in one place, but they were released from their confines and boundaries and covered the whole earth. Humanity, with all its wicked works, was wiped off from the face of the earth. But God did not make a total end of the earth. 
Flood waters went down. Once more, dry land appeared. Again, mankind was given room in which to live and work and to praise God. This is the work of the Son of God. As He continues to uphold all things by His word of power. He preserved the world also through the flood when the wicked and the evil deeds were swept off the earth. And you know, it's not as if the flood removed sin from the earth. Those eight people saved in the ark, they carried the original sin of Adam. And so that world after the flood was also quickly filled with wickedness. Just think of the the building of the Tower of Babel, a monument to man's pride. But despite this, the Son of God continues to maintain God's created order. He continues to provide a place for man to live and work and have families and harvest crops and build houses and cities and industry. A place in which history was to unfold. And why did the Son of God maintain all this even when mankind showed time and time again how bent it was on doing evil? Why did the Son of God maintain this? For the sake of God's plan of redemption. The Son of God maintained this world, also the dry land, so that the day would come when He would appear on this earth as a man. He came to earth to live on this earth, to die on this earth, to pay for the sins of mankind who had corrupted the earth. He came. The Son of Man came to restore man in this world which God had created. He came as man. He died. He rose. He ascended into heaven so that He might pour out His Spirit on the church and send the Gospel to the ends of the earth. By proclaiming the gospel both near and far. The church is instrumental in restoring people on this earth. People who work on farms and in factories and in offices and universities. The Son of God upholds all things by His powerful word. Including the dry land created by God. Because of His purpose of restoring man on this earth. And so do you see now, congregation, the reason that the piece of land on which you live, do you see the reason why the piece of land on which you work is not submerged under meters of water? That dry land is there. Because God created a place for you to live and work in. The Son of God upholds and maintains things in such a way that there remains dry land today so that you might continue to have a place in which to live and work to God's glory. That's true of your property. Of the land on which your factory and office stands. That's true of the space in which you have your office cubicle. And we can think more broadly, congregation. Dry land 
is the place for man to live and work. That's the place for human activity. That's the stage, as it were, on which history unfolds. The history in which the Son of God is gathering in the church from all nations so that people who live in all parts of the earth are being brought to faith in Jesus Christ. See the goal then also of training your children in the service of the Lord. You train your children not to make them pleasure-seeking materialists, but children who grow up and also who understand the importance of, of worshipping the Lord, also with whatever land, whatever dry land, is entrusted to their care. See then the goal of mission work. Not just to save souls, but to bring people to understand that the land on which they live and work was created by God for them to serve Him there. You put it this way, congregation. Mission, mission work is not just about making irreligious people religious for one day of the week, the Sunday. But mission is about teaching people to worship and serve God on whichever piece of dry land has been entrusted to them every day of the week. God is interested. Not just with the worship of our lips, but also with what we do with our space. In the third point, we're going to need to pay attention to, to what it means to live and work in light of this. But before we do that, let's pay attention in the second place to the vegetation that is brought forth by God's Word. Again, God spoke on the third day of creation. This time, God commanded that the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. Life being brought forth on this earth for the first time. Plants and trees full of natural processes. Congregations stand in amazement at the awesome wonder of also this part of creation. The created world of God sprang forth with greenery. The sheer variety, congregation, consider that. Towering trees, low bushes, brilliantly colored flowers, each one according to its kind. I'm sure that at one time or another, most of you will have enjoyed a walk through King's Park. All those different flowers and plants, all their colours, their stems and leaves and blossoms and smells, their saps and their different seeds. All that came forth through this mighty word of God. How that all proclaims the glory and the wisdom of the Creator. God did not create a boring world but a world full of variety and color. Behold the majesty, congregation, even the beauty of our God. 
And God did more than just create all these plants. He also commanded that these plants be able to propagate themselves. He commands all the different plants and trees to bring forth fruit and seeds according to their kind. Today, farmers plant seeds in their fields. We plant vegetable seeds in our gardens. And those seeds originally came from plants. And those plants came from seeds and from other plants and so on. Right down to the plants that God commanded to come forth in our text, beloved. Each according to its kind. Stand in awe at the, the mighty, the almighty power of our God. He spoke in the beginning a word. Let the earth bring forth vegetation whose seed is in itself. And that word congregation was so powerful that still today, in obedience to that command, trees and plants continue to bring forth seeds according to their kind. How the vegetable, the plant creation, proclaims the glory of God. Maybe the children who are here have done an experiment in science at school once. Well, you plant a seed in wet cotton wool so that you can see it sprout and grow. That seed that sprouts, that's a wonderful demonstration of the power of God's Word in the beginning. Let the earth bring forth grass, herbs and trees, each bearing fruit and seeds according to their kinds. On the first day, God created light. And by creating light, God also gave himself a tool in that light by which he could represent other things to us. And God made the light so that it could shine in the darkness. And God used that light then in the Bible as a symbol also of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes about that in Corinthians. That the gospel of Jesus Christ brings light into hearts darkened by sin. So God created light, physical light. But God could also use that as a tool, as a symbol of what the gospel of Jesus Christ does by shining in our dark hearts. And God would also use the things he created on the third day to teach his people about the kingdom of heaven. And we'll look at a couple of examples. Think of what, what Paul taught about the resurrection of the dead. Paul compares placing the body into the ground like sowing a seed from which one day a resurrected body would spring forth. How comforting this image is to us when we need to bury loved ones. Knowing that the dead body into the, which into the earth we sow is the seed that soon will grow glory from the Lord receiving, to use the words of a hymn. Such is the amazing comfort that God would one day be able to give His people in a fallen world on the basis of a process that He created on the third day. Another example. 
the whole process of regeneration. The way in which dead hearts become living saints. We don't understand how God makes people who are dead in sin, and that's what we all are without God working in us, we don't understand how God makes people dead in sin alive. But God has told us that His Word is like a seed. It is planted in our hearts through the preaching of the Gospel. And from that seed springs forth our new life of regeneration. And this new life will also bear fruit. We don't understand how this all works. But we can understand and work with the example. And so we realize how important it is to submit to the preaching of the Word of God so that that seed might be planted. The seed which will will bring forth new life in our hearts. We also understand why as parents we need to take our children to church. Why we need to, when they are baptized, promise to instruct them and have them instructed to the utmost of our power in the Word of God. We realize that without the seed, there will be no plant that will bring forth fruit. We understand this because we know about real seeds that are planted in the real ground that germinate, sprout, grow into mature plants and bring forth fruit. See, beloved, in Genesis 1, when God commanded the earth to bring forth plants with their seed in it according to their kinds, that God was also creating a powerful tool of redemption, an image that we can understand and work with. How amazing is the way our God works. And so the earth brought forth vegetation, trees and plants. And God proclaimed it to be good. was fitting for His purpose. It would be suitable to be used by man to serve God. Man whom God would make the king of creation. In the first place, we can think of the fact that the vegetation would provide food for man. Herbs and fruit trees are the words used in our text. Although this phrase points to all vegetation, it does make us think first of all of those plants that provide man with food. Here too, we see God's wisdom. God could have created things in such a way that man did not need food. God could have created us in such a way that we didn't need to eat and drink to survive. But instead, God created man dependent on food for life. God therefore made a connection between man and the earth. The earth would be a place where man could experience and enjoy the blessings of God. When man fell into sin, then this relationship between man and the earth would also become the context in which man would experience God's curse. The ground which brought forth food was later cursed on account of man. It became harder for man to bring forth food. And throughout the Bible you can see how the ground was the place in which man experienced both God's blessing and his curse. 
when Isaac blessed Jacob, for example. He spoke about Jacob receiving from the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. On the other hand, you can consider God's judgment on Egypt. Through the plagues, the crops of Egypt were progressively destroyed. Punishment on man was experienced in the fields and crops. It was also clear in Canaan when the Lord sent drought to punish His people for their sins. And the vegetation would do more than provide man with food. After the fall, the plants would also be a source for medicine. The trees would be used for building buildings, wagons, plows, even to build ships to make a path through the sea. How manifold, congregation, are the amazing potential uses that God created with that word, let the earth bring forth vegetation. See how God was preparing a universe which would proclaim and manifest His praise. A place for man to live and work. Food to supply man's needs. All kinds of materials for man to develop to God's glory. The wood with which you build your kitchens and roofs. The flowers which you use to beautify your home and garden. The wood chips which become paper and are used for all our reading and writing that was all being provided for by God in that amazing word, let the earth bring forth vegetation. Just think of how many Bibles are in the world today, all printed on paper coming from plants, which God created on the third day. And so through His mighty word of command, God developed the earth into a place which would support human life. The dry land was made to appear in the midst of the waters. Man was given a place to live and work and praise God. On that dry land, God brought forth plants, trees and vegetation. The earth provided the means to support human life. A process which continues today. Your Heavenly Father continues to give you food through the process of seeds producing vegetables and fruit trees which produce more seeds, and so on. See the care and provision of your heavenly Father for your daily bread, as that is revealed in our text. And that brings us to consider in the final place the perspective this text gives for our lives today so we pay attention to living and working in light of our text. Our text is to throw light on how we view space, property. Take, for example, your house. It covers a certain area. A portion of the earth which God made for human habitation so that you might live and work there to the glory of your Creator. Then you need to think about the space that makes up your house. The Lord has given this for His glory to fulfill His purposes. And how do I do that with my house? A house is a place for people to live. A place for husband and wife to share their life as they serve God together. A place for parents to bring up their covenant children. A shelter where they can care for their children, have meals together, 
A place where parents can sit down with their children and teach them about the ways of the Lord. A place in which they encourage their children to develop their talents. Appropriate ways to use that space. A house is also a place where hospitality is shown. Where other members of the congregation are welcomed and mutual edification can take place. Sitting together in a lounge room. Sharing a meal around a dining table together. The rooms of a house give quiet spaces where people can study God's Word and do devotions. A house is a place for beauty to be seen and heard. Beautiful music, beautiful art and decorating. These are things we need to think about. Space, dry land has been created by God and is to be used to His glory. Think, congregation, about how much misery there is in this world. About how much of the dry land is filled with misery and discontent and fighting. We each have our piece of the earth that we are responsible for. and We need to seek by prayer and deed that God's praises may come forth from our properties. That's why God separated the waters from the dry land. So that man would have space in which to live and work to God's glory. In the workplace or office, it's important that that peace of this world serve God's glory as well. You need to see your desk or cubicle, even if it's surrounded by blasphemy and bad language and backbiting talk. Your desk or cubicle is a part of the dry land which you must use to bring glory to God by the activities you do there and the way you do them. We need to, to ask ourselves this question, congregation, wrestle with this. How can we better use this space that I have to God's glory? It's also true of the things with which we work. The materials which we work with. Many of those come from the trees and plants God caused to come forth. Other materials are dug up from the dry land. The earth which God caused to appear in the midst of the waters. As we read books and write, as we work at the office or in the classroom, as we build houses, as we work in factory or laboratory, we are busy with the things God created so that they might be used to His honour and glory. That has to be your perspective. A scientist who is busy studying a particular plant, trying to figure out how to produce a better strain or what other things that plant might be used for, He's to do that work for the glory of God, seeking God's honour as He develops the things that God has given. He's to praise God for the wisdom and beauty His creation displays. Our text gives perspective to our eating and drinking. Much of our food comes from plants. When we see that God ordained things in such a way that the plants would be used to feed man as He went about His task in God's giant workplace, then we cannot turn food into an idol. God didn't give us food to take our focus off Himself, but God gave us food so that we might use it to equip ourselves to serve Him in His workplace. And that's true of all the products we produce, out of plants and trees, the products that come forth from the ground. Idolatry is to take any of these things 
and serve them as ends in themselves. Materialism, greed, drunkenness. But that's wrong, for God created them for man to use in God's service, not as idols. Question for you, congregation, what are you doing with the space God gives you? With the products of this earth He has given you? The more you understand Genesis 1, the more you see how you are to be different from the world in which you live. Do you regularly ask God in prayer to bless your work? Our text shows us what we should pray for. Father, bless us as we work in the space you give, so that your name might be glorified by that space. Bless our work with the products of the ground, that that work may be to your praise. In the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, caring for the creation. That Spirit is also the Spirit of recreation. How we need Him to work in our hearts to make us new creatures. Because congregation of ourselves, we will serve the things of creation. Materialism, gluttony, pleasure seeking. But through the Spirit whom God has promised us, we are able to live and work on the dry land called earth to God's honour and glory. The more we understand our text, we see we cannot be cold about mission work. But knowing why God created dry land, we will seek that the whole earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's why the spread of the gospel throughout this world is important. Our Lord Jesus Christ continues to maintain the created order so that the gospel might be brought to the ends of this earth. So that men everywhere might use the earth and the vegetation to God's honour and glory. Without the gospel, people will never turn away from misusing the earth. Without the gospel, they will only worship and serve the creature, rather than use creation to worship the Creator. In the beginning, God made the world a place for man to live and work in. And the Son of God continues to uphold that order so that still today we have room to live and work and serve the Lord with His creation. That possibility was taken away temporarily in the flood because of man's sin. As the Apostle Peter writes, By the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. And because of the sin of man, this will happen again. The earth will one day become uninhabitable again. As Peter continues, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The fact that it has not yet happened is because there is still a church to be gathered in. That's the urgency of mission. And then the glorious restoration of creation Peter teaches us to look forward to. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And the Lord will be praised from one end of the earth to the other. Then the earth will only be filled with those who praise him. Congregation, show that that is your future by the way you only use the ground 
and the products of the ground to His glory already today. Amen.